Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs of modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing so fantastic, but I can't wait to tell you. I just got to hear this smash hit by Chad Kroger and Nickelback. I'll tell you right after. Okay. So let's kick right in. Let's jump straight in. And then I got a good follow-up after, but I want us to get in the mood. So let's hear Photograph by Nickelback. Let's do it. Here it is. (laughs) You know what day it is. You know what day it is. Sing along now. Mine and Rob's dance moves right now, guys. You don't even know. You get this from any other Why? I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Y'all didn't really think oh, we were about to show up here and do on. a Nickelback song, did you? Great songs. What come makes on. them great? Come on. Kaboom. Happy April, April 1st. Fool's Day come on. from your buddies at the Great Song Podcast. There you go. We are not, repeat, underline, bold, italicized, not never covering a Nickelback song today. We are, in fact, covering Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Oh, game on. And if you thought... That Rick Rowling is dead. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no, It is live and well here on the Great Song Podcast. And it's not just us. Consider the fact that f- I realized this started in like 2008, right? Rick Rowling is over a decade <laughs> old at this point. But if you think Rick Rowling is dead, consider the fact that four days before we recorded this episode, the massive video game platform Fortnite Rick rolled its fans on YouTube by releasing a video called Watch How This Bear Made the Unlikeliest of Friends. <laughs> With a polar bear as the thumbnail, which when the viewer clicked on it, instead showed a video of a Fortnite fish and polar bear doing Rick Astley's dance from the Never Gonna Give You Up video. Amazing. Playing the song and announcing the arrival of the Rickroll dance as a purchasable item in Fortnite. So yes, this meme is still kicking. We are every bit allowed to use it, and we just did. Okay? I want to know, I want to know... At Great Song Pod on Twitter, at Instagram, uh, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly on on Facebook group. Uh, I want to know if you legit thought we were doing a Nickelback song today. Absolutely. We will try to refrain from any comments prior to this yeah. if you're asking us about the validity of the Nickelbackness. Yeah. So we're just going to post it and, and just hang tight, and, and here just, we go. That's right. We're going to hold to our guns until until this episode is out. So, but I want to know if you legit thought that we were about to do Photograph by, Nic- <laughs> by Nickelback. 
I want to know, okay? And if you're disappointed that we didn't, oh, man. I want to know that too. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. Rick I mean, Rowland. Rick Rowland. Hey, never going to give you up from the 1987 album, Whenever You Need Somebody, the debut album from Rick Astley, written by Mike Stock, Matt Aitken, and Pete Waterman, a.k.a. Stock Aitken Waterman, a.k.a. S-A-W. Uh, we will talk more about them later because it turns out they're pretty important. Um, this was the highest selling single of 1987 in the UK. That's a big, like you, this song now because of Rick rolling and whatnot is, is a little bit thought of as a joke, a, a, a joke that people love, you know what I mean? But this was huge. Like this song was legit a, a career maker for Rick Astley. Absolutely. Um, so it went, it went number five. I'm, I'm sorry. It went number one. In 25 countries. My goodness. Worldwide smash hit this song that, was. Yeah. Best British single. Uh, it won the Best British Single Award at the 1988 Brit Awards. It is number 449 on the Billboard All-Time 600. Wow. We that, finally we got one. We found one that belongs. Man, it is between number 448, Happy Together by the Turtles, and number 50, I mean, a uh, number 450, uh, let's see, checks notes. I adore Mia Moore by Color Me Bad. There we go. That's right. the number four fifty song <laughs> well, on the Billboard All right. Time Six Hundred. But I'm not going to complain because we finally cover hey, are we covering found a song somebody that, is that made the list actually on that list. Um, so yeah, uh, we hope you guys really seriously. We had always planned to do this song at some point, and then we realized, oh my, holy goodness. smokes, April Fools is landing on release day. We got it. This let's, is let's make this it is the chance, this right? Is, this is it. <clears throat> yeah. So, and we have no plans of doing anything Nickelback. So no. this was a wonderful classic bait and switch for you guys. There. They're going to have to get a lot better real fast for us to make that happen. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's right. They're going to have to cover "Never Going to Give You Up." No, <laughs> oh, oh man, that would have been okay, fantastic. Been actually, good. yeah, yeah. actually did. Um, we, you touched a little bit on the album. Whenever you need somebody, this album it, it's pretty good. It's also got "Together Forever," yep. which is his other song that's kind of similar to this. Mm-hmm. That was the first Rick Astley song that I. Ever Ever heard okay because my dad had it on a mix cd and i just loved it and i was like that's that's catchy it's good it's fun well interestingly enough i was telling dad about that i was like hey dad this was you know my first introduction to him i was telling him this week he's like son you want to hear something that rick astley album was the first cd that my dad ever heard so he was visited we were visiting some friends called the robinsons ray robinson wherever you are out there my dad says howdy he told me to say hey in case you ever hear this but it was the first compact disc that my dad ever heard was this rick astley album and Man. dad's like i've got to go buy a cd player because everything just sounds so, so much better so mm. this was the first one that my father ever heard so shout out to ray interesting shout out to dad shout that out really to is compact discs i'm trying to think what the first i don't know that i remember the first cd but it, that's definitely a thing for like our generation right mm-hmm. like it was our dads our moms that had the cds first yep and and it was probably just a few at first because it was still a new thing, mm-hmm. and the CD player Dude, that's was so you know, weird. What you just said because the first CD that I bought that was like on CD, oh, I'm going to lose so many cool points here. Was New Thing by DC Talk? Wow, because that was the era. Yeah, yeah. And I, was like, yeah. I remember buying that CD. Yep. Like with my well, the first I'm I'm not really any better. First first CD that I bought was uh, Too Legit to Quit by Oh Hammer. man, yeah. hey hey mm-hmm. hey hey. That's hey, thanks good. for some by a random BGB that lady. Guy, background. Um, yeah, I, but I remember like my my dad's first CDs were pretty much uh, honestly just tons of music from this podcast, right? It was yeah. Chicago and 
and uh, Bob Seger, Dan. stuff like that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff that like I just still love. You know, mm-hmm. you remember when CDs? Some of y'all don't know nothing about this. You remember when CDs came in like. 18 inch long protective cases. Yes, that were, and they stuck out the top. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And then, absolutely. And then was. some of them had little cardboard boxes around uh, them. Yeah, yeah. And then it would be the, the thing on the inside. Absolutely. Man, crazy. Yeah. How I much mean, wasted money in packaging? I know, right? I think, it, I don't know if it was an anti theft thing or if it was just to be able to get them on the shelf. So you they could, could see them. sit up higher yeah. over the, yeah. Yeah. So weird, man. God only knows how much, how much money was wasted on that packaging. Um, all right. Let's talk about the origin of Rick Rolling while we're at Let's it. Let's do okay? it, man. I mean, this song is in, inextricably linked to Rick Rolling. And if you're not aware at this point what a Rick Roll is, I guess I should explain, but a Rick Rolling is exactly what we did. It's sort of a bait-and-switch technique where you post a link to something um, you know, that is sort of fantastic or something that you know people are looking for, and then it goes to usually the video. Like, it's usually a YouTube thing where you go to the video of... Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. This is how that all started, okay? The use of this song for Rick Rolling dates to 2006, uh, originating from the 4chan image board. Um, 4chan is like a, you know, sort of like Reddit or, you know, it's a just it's, it's just a place to post memes now, basically. It's, you know. Um, but it came from an early meme known as Duck Rolling. Uh, sometime in 2006, this is all from Wikipedia, sometime in 2006, the site moderator... Um, implemented a word filter replacing the word egg with duck as a joke Um, on one thread where egg roll had become duck roll an anonymous user posted an edited image of a duck with wheels calling it a duck roll Uh, the image caught on across 4chan and the image would be the target of a hyperlink with an otherwise interesting title with a user clicking through having been said to be duck rolled so um in March 2007, the first trailer for the highly anticipated game uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 was released on the Rockstar Games website. Viewership was so high that it crashed Rockstar's site. Well, several users helped to post uh, mirrors of the video on different sites, but one user on 4chan had linked to the Never Gonna Give You Up video claiming to be the trailer, tricking numerous readers into the bait and switch. And that's where it took off. This practice quickly replaced duck rolling for other uh, alluring links, all generally pointing to Rick Astley's video and thus creating the practice of Rick rolling. The bait and switch to the Never Gonna Give You Up greatly expanded on 4chan on April Fool's Day in 2007 and led to the, crick, uh, led to the trick expanding to other sites later that year, quickly gaining the name Rick Rolling based on the prior duck rolling. An initial use of Rick Rolling was confirmed by the editors of Know Your Meme, where rural Michigan resident Eric Helwig had called into a local radio sports talk show in 2006, and instead of just talking to the DJs, he just played this song. <laughs> um with the DJs having no apparent words to react to that. Um, so while this occurred before the use of, of the meme on 4chan, um, there's, it's not sure if there was, um, if, if that actually inspired the 4chan use of, of the video. Um, but it's, it's possible. Uh, so that is kind of the background of Rick Rolling. Did you look up any times that it's been used in sports? Because I got a couple. I saw that there were a few. I didn't yeah, write any th- down. What so at Petco Park, that's where the Padres play. Petco Park where the Padres play. Petco. A lot of a lot of that's right. pop in there. Welcome to Petco where the players play. There we go. The Padres started playing Sweet Caroline, which is Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Big theme song. And then right before the chorus, <laughs> bam, Rick Roll. Never going to give you up, which that's, is, I thought that was great. That's funny. Chargers Steelers. Well, the Steelers always play Renegade by Sticks at their stadium. Oh, 
really? Okay. Houston Steelers fans will know that. At a Charger home game, they started playing Renegade. Then right before the chorus, bam, oh, never going to give man. you up. So, so classic fun. uses of them in sports. Good job. Uh, it actually didn't go over well with the uh, Charger fans, they said, because like obviously the joke's funny, but they were so... Uh, that that's an AFC rivalry, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Why would you bring that mojo into our stadium, oh. even for even for a, a joke?" So I, got you. I guess it's deeper in the football world, whereas in baseball, it's fun. You can Why would you it. energize their fans that way? Yeah, I guess oh, so, something like that. Anyway, so have you? Did you hear what he said about his take on Rick Rolling? What Rick Astley said? He's like, "I don't really mind it that much. He just doesn't want his daughter to be embarrassed by it." Which oh, is like yes. that's a classic dad true. from the eighties. Like, yeah. just, you know, he's probably at that age now where he's like. I just really don't want to embarrass my children. But it's true. It helped get garner, uh, you know, get him some more notoriety and popularity. And here's the here's the thing I've noticed about Rick Astley in in doing uh, research for this episode. He seems to be a really swell guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. He seems to just be kind of genu- genuinely nice and thoughtful. He he like even to the point where he didn't do anything at all to use Rick Rolling to his financial advantage. Uh huh. Um, even it was, it was up for like something like two years before he even released officially a version of the video to YouTube. Yeah. Like the, for the first like two years that people were Rick rolling, uh, it went to some other video that somebody else had posted. You know what I'm saying? Uh It wasn't even his. Um, and, and he didn't, you know, put out a, a new recorded version of it or a mm-hmm. remix or make a big deal out of it at from all. the original artists. Yeah, like. exactly. Like he didn't, he didn't, he, and purposely, like mm-hmm. he went out of his way to not use it for his own gain, which even I go, I'm, you should have done something probably. Missed opportunity, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, it helped him in the end anyway, because it's now created this sort of love for, for the song as a as a nostalgia thing, as a meme thing, as a joke thing, whatever, but it's it's back it's been back in public consciousness since then. Sure, and there's no bad blood where if he'd have been like, I'm going to court, I'm yeah. taking you for money then somebody'd been like, Man, that Rick Astley, he's just in it for the money. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's the fact that he handled it with I guess such class yep. that it's like nobody has any nobody has any ill wills with Rick Astley. Yeah, everybody's you know, whatever. And now he has he himself has benefited benefited from it by becoming this sort of like um I don't know what you, I don't know what you call it but almost like a you know he's become this sort of beloved figure mm-hmm. now because of the Rick rolling yeah and uh so I I think it's all worked in his favor in the end so I guess maybe he played it right um interesting thing about this song this might be the happiest song ever produced in a minor key okay this song is in B flat minor it never resolves. If you were writing down the key signature, you would write it down as D flat major. It would look like D flat major. Mm-hmm. It never resolves to a D flat. It lands every time. It's four five four five, right? So yeah. it would be like most. Yes, most of the verse actually is is a. It's got a B flat pedal tone on the bottom. Okay, but it's a G flat major seven mm-hmm. and an A flat over the B, right? Mm-hmm. So, which would be if you're calling B flat minor the six of mm-hmm. D flat. So it would be a four five over the six. I think the way they actually play it is they transition up a half step on the keyboard. So the keyboard player is actually playing an F major seven, which would be an F sharp major seven, right? F F sharp major seven, major yeah, seven, G, G flat major G seven, G flat yeah. major seven. So mm-hmm. I, and a G, which would be an A flat. Yes, this is four five. So they're playing 
and the guitar player is capoed. There's not much guitar going on, but like the it's everything's just raised a half step, and they play in the key of C. Okay, if that makes sense, yeah. which is like the way they're doing it. Because okay. so they're just they're transitioned up a half step. I see, and they're just playing an F major seven and a G, and okay. then the the chorus is the same two chords, and mm. then it's an E minor, A minor, right. So yes. Okay. That's so, an easier way for them to think about it. Yes. I think for the listener, and that's the way they play it. Okay. Too. So do it with those chords. I think that'll be easier. Maybe. When maybe when I was playing along with my uh, with my like keyboard, mm-hmm. I, I could have been transposed on my keyboard, honestly. Okay. And it could be that I was that they're it's, so they're no, in it is a, a half minor. step higher. Oh, it, it is. It's a half step higher. Okay. But I'm saying just... they play a half step lower. Okay. Um, and it's in it is in what would be an F sharp major seven chord as the four. Yeah. They're playing an F major seven. Okay. And a G just for ease of playability. Okay. But it comes out but as it comes they're in out B flat minor. As they're in B flat minor or D flat major. Okay. So okay, there cool. You go. But the anyway, so listen, listen back through. And see what we're talking about, and you can hear the song never it never goes major. Uh, let's go. Let's maybe hit that second verse and take a listen. We'll play through the second verse and chorus, and you can see it always lands minor, but you it's so chipper and happy. So yeah, it does for a for a on tell and hurt you on you for a sixteenth note or even shorter, like a staccato sixteenth note, it briefly hits the D flat, but only as a passing note back down to the B flat. Um so it really truly isn't a minor key. But it's so happy. <laughs> it's so happy. That's all I'm trying to say. Um even like his his like dance moves from the video are sort of <laughs> awkwardly iconic (laughs) you know what i mean he's like and he was so young he was what 18 something like that 19 i guess so um at the time of recording he was just a kid uh you know and he was sort of um a a he was a a teen pop act with this baritone uh, like his voice voice. full grown Yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying and it it's just this weird it all created this awkward thing of like but it was adorable. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'll tell you what. Why don't we meet the band, and then I want to talk about Stock Aitken Waterman. Okay, let's do it. All right. Let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. All right, we're going to meet the band that played on this Rick Astley track. Um, 
we're going to talk about Stock, Aiken, and Waterman, um, but we'll start with Mike Stock, uh, keyboards. He did keyboard stuff, stuff with Banorama. Um, his idol was Paul McCartney, and he got to do stuff with him. Kylie Minogue, Donna Summer. Um, every time I hear Donna Summer, I think of the Sherry, Terry, Sherry yep. O'Terry from Saturday Night Live. The yep. Summer Donna. Who is this queen of disco? <laughs> Summer Donna? Stretch it out to Summer sem- Down Now. The Summer <laughs> Down Now sketch is pretty good. Um, he also did the track for the Nikki French version of Total Eclipse of the Heart, which oh. was the... Um, you know which one I'm... Everybody knows Total think, yeah. Eclipse of the Heart, but sure. it's more of a, uh, a house-sounding yeah. version of that. And he did music for, I just wrote this down for you, and I was like, for the 1993 WWF WrestleMania. Really? He was the music for that. Oh, that's cool. Good job, Mike Stock. Um, Aiken, probably the less credited of the team. They give more credit, I guess, to Mike Stock, but they do, and Rob's going to touch on Stock. uh, Yeah, I'm talking about them as a group. As a group with Peter Waterman and them. uh, Trio of songwriters, lots of stuff, RCA, he can touch on that. Drums, this is my favorite musician attributed here. It's (laughs) just attributed to A. Lynn. And so I was like, who is A. Lynn? It's like A. Dot Lynn. And A. Lynn is actually the Lynn 9000, which is a drum machine. Yep. And I went on a big rabbit trail with this when I found out. I actually read through the manual. Oh, it's wow. On, like, I was just reading. I went way deep, like, <laughs> on this. I spent way too much time. It was a horrible use of time, but I really enjoyed looking <laughs> through it. Their tagline, yeah, composition without compromise. Oh, That's pretty good for a drum machine. 18 digital drum sounds, 18. It's wow. like, whoa, yeah. 18 drum sounds. Um, it came out in 1984. List price. Did you see what list price was? No. $5,000. For a drum machine, this, if you look at, that's a lot of money. Man. That's a lot of money now. Yeah. $5,000 and 84 for a drum machine. Holy like, cow, For 18 man. digital drum sounds. Man. And now, like, you can get, you, you can, can get do, that from a Casio. You can do better on your flip phone. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah, I know. Um, Ian Kumau, it's C-U-M-O-W, um, is, a, is attributed to playing the Fairlight, which is a synth. Mm, synth yeah. This synth was awesome. And it was the one with the 8-inch floppy disk, you know, where you put the 8-inch the floppy disk. Peter Gabriel, most renowned for using yep. all different versions of these. That's that's his, the Fairlight. I think we talked about it a little we on did. the Gabriel yep. episode. Um, the bass is done on a Yamaha DX7 with the synth, ba- synth bass. It was the first digital synth. It was the Yamaha DX7. Sold over 200,000 units. It was the first synth to sell over 100,000 units. Wow. Um, Brian Eno was the one. He was kind of the master of this. Um, 80s power ballads. This is the synth bass that you use, and this was the, the synth. First with a liquid crystal display. Okay. And the first to allow users to name patches. Oh. So that was the first one on this. This and this base patch that is used here is base patch one. Oh, wow. So this is base patch one. And this is the same base patch that is used in, get this, Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins. Oh, okay. Take On Me by AHA. Uh-huh. This is base patch one. Wow. From the Yamaha DX7. Dude, that's amazing. Base. So that's pretty well cool. Well done. That's, well done. That's awesome right there on that. Um, backing vocals, Shirley Lewis, D. Lewis, May McKenna, and Suzanne Radigan. I didn't look up anything on them, but they're on here, so I wanted to give them their sure. their yeah. diligence. And then Rick Astley. Rick, uh, man. Let me, we can save him for the end if you wanted to talk on Stock Aiken and Waterman, but I got a little bit on him okay. um, here in a minute. All right, yeah. So I wanted to talk about Stock Aiken and Waterman. I, I wasn't really aware of them as a as a production group or, or even as individuals at this point. Um, 
but they are like a team. They're an English songwriting and record producing trio. Mike Stock, Matt Aitken, Pete Waterman, as JP said. Um, the trio had great success from the mid-80s through the early 1990s. Uh, SAW, or it might be SAW, I honestly don't know if they were called SAW or SAW as for shorthand, um, is considered to be one of the most successful songwriting and producing partnerships of all time, scoring more than 100 UK top 40 hits, selling 40 million records, and earning an estimated roughly $104 million. Goodness about gracious. About 60 million British pounds. Um, their first UK number one. Uncle a, Mike, if you want to support the podcast, that's right. if you want to be our sponsor for life, yep. open invitation. Yeah, open invitation. Uh, their first UK number one as a production team was You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. Oh, yeah. You spin me. I can't even do it. It hurts my voice. Um, that's not even right. Nope. No. Somebody later did a version that sounded like that. The, the original was, you, you spin me right round, yeah. baby, right round, and you go round, yeah. and you No, it's like a record, baby. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of, I'm the, thinking of the, the rap version. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's Sorry. Right. Yeah. I just yeah. both vocals together. <laughs> um, they produced uh, Venus by Bananarama, a Billboard number mm-hmm. one. They worked with Kylie Minogue and made her a UK star before she went worldwide mainstream. You know Kylie Minogue is in Biodome with Polly Shore? I did not know that. You know, you know the movie Biodome, yeah, right? Absolutely. Okay, the, the red-headed scientist? Yeah. That's Kylie Minogue. What in the world? I did not yeah. know that. How about that? Uh, not uh, enough Polly Shore references in the world dude, these days. That's one of my guilty pleasure movies. Yeah? Biodome. Biodome? Yeah, it's so funny. I like Son-in-Law better because Tiffany okay. Amber Thiesen's oh, in it. Oh, okay, sure. For different reasons. But. All right. Um, Biodome, that's funny, man. Yeah. I love that movie so much. Um, anyway, uh, they uh, worked on remixes in a high energy, uh, which, by the way, is its own subgenre. It's not high energy. It's H-I dash capital N-R-G. That was like a early EDM okay. predecessor, right? High energy uh, slash UK dance pop style. They did remixes for Diana Ross, Michael Jackson. Sheik, Depeche Mode, The Four Tops, uh, and a, a ton of others. Wow. Um, they, this was really interesting. They worked at a high output pace, often writing songs with similar structures and even kind of plugging in artists interchangeably. Uh, for example, the title track. Like of, mashups? No. Um, like, in other words, they made a lot of music really fast, and sometimes they would sort of pull artists in and out to sing different songs, even covering each other's okay, songs. Okay, like you come in and sing this one, you come yeah. over and sing this and, and see how you do on that. I'll make it make sense here in a second. Okay. So, for example, the, the title track of the Rick Astley album we're talking about, Whenever You Need Somebody, had already been used by one of SAW's other artists, but they reused it for Rick when it didn't quite land the way they hoped with this okay. other artist. They're like, that's too good of a title. Yeah, exactly. So we're And, and so it's the same same song that this other person had already mm-hmm. cut, but they're like, we thought it would do better. We think let's get Let's put Rick on. On it and see if it does any better. Uh-huh. In fact, the club mix of the song on Rick Astley's album is literally the same track as the other artists, just with Rick's vocals laid in. Wow. Uh, around here, we call that a Bob Seger. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can check out our old time rock and roll oh, episode yes. to find out oh, why. That was a good throwback. That was a good flashback, Rob. I like that. Thank you. Uh, anyway, they drew some criticism for this kind of like assembly line production style, you know? Uh, it's not real artistry. There's no heart in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a machine, um, et cetera. But they basically said, look, we're doing the same thing that Motown did in the 60s get over it yeah you know and we've talked about the motown studios were open like 22 hours a day cranking out music artist after artist after artist this song's not working for this person give it to them blah blah blah. i mean it's really sort of an 80s british pop version of the same absolutely find the one that we can make a hit with yeah exactly it's all about making hits boom 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 you know we're 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 not we're not getting paid by the hour you know Uh what i'm saying we're getting paid for hits so that's good let's, let's do this thing 
So yeah, they don't um, care who makes a hit with it. No, they, they don't care. They're the production who team. Who it is? You yeah. know what I mean? That's they awesome. just they just need the next hit so that they can keep it going. Yeah. You know? Um. So this all leads me to a conclusion. Okay. This all leads me to the conclusion that this song, "Never Gonna Give You Up" by Rick Astley, can be categorized as the best possible version of "Friday" by Rebecca Black. <laughs> what? Think about it. Okay. Think about it. Friday by Rebecca Black was. Uh, she, as I understand it, she went in and worked with this producer. Okay. okay? And some people called it predatory as far as his, his not like sexually or anything like that, as far as I know, but as far as his, his business practices. Okay. Okay. But she went and worked with a producer, uh, who she bought basically a package. Okay. That entitled her to a, 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 a song, an original song, uh, a video, and and uh, distribution, okay. right of of that thing, and she bought a package that in, that included that, and then he gave her this thing, and it was prefabricated, right, hundred mm-hmm. percent ready, done, made, boom. Next weekend, I've got somebody else coming in to do it, and the next weekend, I've got somebody else, and we're going to do the same thing with them, right? Mm-hmm. That's this, that's yeah. this on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's essentially what they did. This is this is the best possible version of <laughs> Friday by Rebecca Black. Um, I think I, I'll I'll stand by it until somebody proves me wrong. Okay, um, those of y'all that are commenting on the Nickelback stuff, jump on that yeah, take too. Yeah, let me know. And I saw recently uh, Rebecca Black made a, a reappearance. Did you see this? Uh-uh. She was on. Um, oh gosh, what was it? I think it's the Four. Is that the thing that's kind of like the Voice, but not Fox? Is like, know. hey, we have a thing too, and I so think it's called the Four. It's like with P Diddy and. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It was a singing competition. She came back and, and killed some, uh, you know, killed some track. And they were like, "Hey, it's Rebecca Black." You know what I mean? And she's and she's uh, apparently she's come through some stuff and she's doing well. So I, you know, wish her all the best. Good anyway, on. but it just made me think of that. That's what this made me think of reading about their production style. Um, SAW wrote and produced the 1989 UK highest selling album of the year, Ten Good Reasons" by Jason Donovan. You ever heard of that? No. You ever heard of him? No. Jason Donovan doesn't Is ring that- a bell at all. That's not the same Donovan. It's like Donovan. I don't know. I don't know. They've got several things that are attached to him, and I've Jason literally Donovan. never heard his name, which seems <laughs> weird. It was the highest selling album of the year in the UK, in the UK and, and I've literally never, never heard the guy's name, man. as far as I know. They also produced uh, the Band-Aid 2 version of Do They Know It's Christmas. Okay. Um, not, the, not the original one with uh, Boy George and all them, but this was Rob's a, favorite a, song. <laughs> yes, this is a rework of the original 1984 version. So it, it wasn't that one, but still it shows how mainstream they were mm-hmm. that the second one they did, like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. went to them. Rick Astley, you got some stuff on him? I got a little bit. We'll yeah, I, I just got one more, one more thing on them. Okay. And, and, and it, it, ties in, it ties kind of the whole, whole track back in. Um, I was just thinking about this. this song is, and you, you you talked about it in the in the Meet the Band section. This song is as synthesized as it can possibly be. Yeah, you know what I mean. If it didn't have humans singing on it, <laughs> yeah, it would know, be saying, all computers. That would be the only That's way good. it could be more synthesized. There's from the Sound on Sound article on it. Um, it says "Never Gonna Give You Up" <laughs> was recorded at PWL Studios in South London, England. The song's bass lines were produced using a Yamaha DX7. A Lin 9000 was used for the drums and sequencing. Another equipment was a, a Roland Juno 106, a Yamaha Rev 5, and Rev 7 reverberators. Like it was literally just Rick <laughs> and machines. The vocals were originally going to be done by the robot from Rocky IV. The happy, <laughs> happy birthday, Polly. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> to sing it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it literally it's is Rick and as synthesized as you could possibly yeah. be, you know. 
which makes for faster work. Probably. Well, maybe not then. I don't know. I think programming was a little more probably tedious take a little than long, it is now. Yeah, longer time. But uh, yeah. Anyway, but you have to pay fewer uh, studio Humans, musicians, I imagine. That's right. You, you just know what pr- I mean? pay your programmers. Low overhead. Just mm-hmm. keep that machine rolling, man. Mo- right, man. Motown it up. That's right. uh, Let's talk about Rick Astley. Grew up a drummer, uh, played in nightclubs in Britain, covering Beatles tunes. So he was Ringo. Yeah. Oh, man. Rob's favorite drummer. Just getting one of these up there with him. I love Ringo. Oh, man. Interestingly, uh, he recorded Never Gonna Give You Up on New Year's Day in 1987. So he recorded it on New Year's Day. That's a good good time to... Seems odd. Yeah. That like working you, you on think, New Year's Day. Yeah, you would think they would be like, you know, take but the holiday off. The machine doesn't the machine stop. Doesn't it doesn't stop for anybody. We got to get Rebecca Black's song out. That's right. And so in 89, he was nominated a Grammy for Best New Artist. Yeah. But do you see who he lost to? Yes, I did. Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Um, retired in 94 to 2000 to spend time with his family, which is wonderful. We call Obviously. that a Rick Moranis around here. <laughs> oh, nice. That's yeah. good. Oh, that's a good reference. He'll be in the game later that we're playing. Oh, We got okay. a game later. Okay. It's going to be fun. Um, back in business in 2001. Did you hear the piano forte version of this? You know, I meant to, but totally I forgot. Totally different sounding. Why don't we go listen? This sounds like, uh, and play it, and then I'll tell you who it reminds me of. Okay. This is from Rick's 2019 uh, compilation slash re-recording album, uh, The Best of Me. Oh, it makes me sad. Now it sounds minor. Kind of sounds like... We're no strangers to love You know the rules And so do I Wow. Her full commitments While I'm thinking of from any other guy I just want to tell you how I'm feeling I gotta make you understand never gonna give you up never gonna let you down never gonna run around and desert you oh wow different chords gonna make you cry never gonna say that kind of makes me feel like it kind of makes me feel like oh this guy's never gonna give me up uh, okay. you know what I mean this guy's never gonna like I feel like he's got me in his clutches and he's never going to release me you know so, so I was thinking as I was listening to that who does it sound like produced or put this together or who does this remind me of or who would cover that oh and or like kind of the the and I could not stop thinking of Aaron Neville doing it like that. Have I gone? I care you, up. which Rob does so well. Yeah. So yeah, oh, that man. just felt it felt Aaron Neville. Oh, that's so true. Never gonna say exactly. Like, yeah. That's that's he was embracing um, his inner Aaron. I just wanna tell you how I'm feeling. There it is, Aaron. Thank you yeah. for stopping by. It's been a minute wow. since we've had a good guest. Man, thanks for coming by and covering that Rick Astley jam. Jeez. See you later. Ah, money. So good. Okay, let's transition into our game. I'm going to shake that one off. Shake that one off. Okay, here we go. We're going to play the game. Okay. Here we go. Play a little uh, intro of the original. original. uh, Let's just get back in the the good vibes. Let's let's, uh, let's get that weirdness off of us there. That That piano farte. I feel like... I feel like that belongs in like a Saw movie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> saw! Oh, that, oh saw wow. Ooh, it's coming full circle. Dang. All right, here we go. Let's, let's, let's hit that uh, intro again. This is going to be our game show intro music. 
Welcome to another episode of whatever this game is called. <laughs> Who is older? Uh, okay, so that's good enough. That's good enough to get Who us back. Who is older? Okay, okay. All you right. can even bring it down in the mix or whatnot. Okay. We can talk over it. I don't care. That's fine. Okay, so the way we're going to do this, Rick Astley, everybody, as we record this, is 54 years of age. Okay. So picture that in your mind. Rick Astley is 54. Okay. So I'm going to name some other famous Ricks below, and Rob is going to guess whether they are older or younger. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I think I'm going to ace this. He thinks he's going to ace it. Okay, let me count how many we got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think there's like eight or so on here. Rob's Rob's predicting a perfect score. Let's start by just saying Rick is an old name. Okay. How many people do you know that's young, that's like under the age of... Ten. It's true. How many people these days have named their kid Rick? It's true. I can't think it's not of very popular. Not, not very popular. Not even like Ricky anymore yeah. is a thing. Ricky Schroeder was the last Ricky <laughs> to be a kid that is popular by the name of Rick mm, and Ricky. So. Interesting. Here we go. Okay, we're going to start with Rick Ross. Older or younger? Rick Ross is younger. Rick Ross is younger. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. He's 44. <laughs> Ten years younger. Okay. Going to go Rick Moranis, the Rick aforementioned. Mor- Rick Moranis is older. Rick Moranis is older. Hey. 66. Wow. Oh, Rick Moranis is 66. 66 years old. Honey, I shrunk. He's coming back. Kids. Is he? He's coming back for a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot. Good for him. Coming out of retirement. That's awesome. Okay. Drummer for Def Leppard, the worn-armed machine, Rick Allen, older or younger? Than 54? 54. He's older. He is older hey. by two years. 56. Ooh. Rob is three for three. That was a closer margin a than close I wanted one. it to be. That was close. Okay. Basketball coach Rick Patino. Oh, he's older. He he's way older. older. 67. Wow. 67 up on there. Okay. Rick Fox, basketball player. <laughs> oh, oh no! This is oh tricky. no! Hold up! Hold up! How old is Shaq? Okay, <laughs> I think Rick Fox is younger. Rick Fox is younger. Hey! Fifty. Rob is on a perfect score. This is amazing. Okay, we're going baseball now. Pitcher Rick Sutcliffe. Rick Sutcliffe's older than 54. older. Sixty-three. Good job. So is Rick Honeycutt. You got Rick Honeycutt Rick on Honeycutt there. Rick Honeycutt was the next one. Hey, what do you think he is? He's older. He is older. Yeah. Sixty-five. All right. Last one. Rick Springfield. Oh, Rick Springfield is older than 54. Older. Jesse Boom. Sterl. That's right. Perfect Boom. score. Hey, Allie, now. Turn up the music. Come Let's on celebrate now. a little bit. Hey. Where are we in the song? Second verse. Uh, gonna play it. Well uh, done, Rob. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming to Who is it. Older, Rick or Rick. You know any other Ricks? Anybody I left off that you can think um, of? I, Rick Derringer. I guess I could have done oh, yeah, Rick that. Oh, yeah, Rick Derringer. That sure. He's probably he's older. go older. Yeah, he's got to be. Popularity. Yeah. You guys throw us out some famous Ricks that we That's might right. have missed out Yeah, there. famous Ricks, and we'll guess if they're we'll older guess or younger. We'll guess if they're older or younger. Yeah. Um, that was more fun than I expected it to be. Um, that was, yeah, that's good. I feel like I've, I feel like I have a firm grasp on Rick's now. You He's know? accomplished something. There you go. I just feel like I, I have a good instinct about Rick's ages, <laughs> you know? Um, I think 54 was a good dividing line for that, actually. It helped me. Uh, let's see. Um... Yeah, Rick Astley set a record in the UK by uh, his first eight singles going in top ten. What? His first wow. eight singles all went top ten in the UK. Um, and I guess that's probably, I'm sure that probably like the Beatles or U2 or the Stones or somebody have probably more consecutive oh, yeah. top tens, but his first, first eight. eight. You wow. know what I mean? Eight so, for eight out the gates. Yeah, that's eight for good. eight straight out. Their track five on this I do think is pretty funny. It's off this album. It's called The Love Is Gone. Um, he gave the writing credit on that track to Dick Spatsley, or Spasley, sorry, Dick Spasley, 
as uh, a joke in his own name when someone was introducing him at a show. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Dick Spassley. Oh, my gosh. And so he became – And so he, he said himself, Dick Spassley wrote that song. Yeah, so he's like, this song is written by Dick Spassley, that, which I think is hilariously hilarious. amazing, yes. self-aware. Good nature. Good job. Yeah, Way absolutely. to go on that guy. I'm telling you, he's a swell guy. A swell guy. He's a swell guy. A- um, he the way he got hooked up with Stock Aitken Waterman is really interesting. They hired him on as a studio help. Um, they were so like he operated the tape machine, sang on demos, and and famously uh, he made the tea. That was part of okay. part of what yeah. he did there. He made the tea. You know, it's it's a whole different vibe in the UK. It's tea every day. Everybody's yeah. doing the tea. So, um, but the, and they groomed him to be to become an artist. They didn't really need him as an assistant, uh, but they thought that he was so shy and unassuming that he would be intimidated by the studio atmosphere. So they hired him as a helper to get him like acclimated to the environment and like ease him into it, so that he wouldn't be nervous when it was time That's for good. him to actually start laying down some vocals. <clears throat> um, he uh, he cooled on the like dance pop style um, after a couple of rounds of negative press. Um, that were that sort of implied that he was just a result of the SAW machine, mm-hmm. and um, even though he had written half the songs on his debut album, oh you know yeah, I mean? but people just went, oh, you're a, you know you're you're Debbie Gibson, you know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. Tiffany, yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? It was teen teen dance pop, yep. um, and so he switched over to really what his passion was, which is soul music, and um, and like adult contemporary. You know, he signed a new deal with RCA, who bought him out of his old contract with Saw. Um, and that's kind of what he's been doing since is, you know, your mm-hmm. soul. He's like your um, 80s sort of Sam Smith. You know oh, what I mean? Like I, kind of ish. That's, that's, at yeah. least where Sam that's Smith relatable. started. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is great, dude. This is great. He won. <laughs> he won the 2008 uh, MTV Europe Music Award for Best Act Ever. What? In 2008. Okay. An award for which he was not even nominated. <laughs> um, <laughs> not you 2 not the Beatles. Rick Astley <laughs> is MTV Europe's best act ever. MTV allowed fans to nominate artists who weren't originally listed. And with the awards being in Liverpool, they kind of truly expected it to be the Beatles sure. award to, to lose. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, but fans pulled the ultimate Rick role. That is great. In a, in a category whose nominees were um, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Green Day, Tokyo Hotel, and U2, the winner for best act ever. Was Rick Astley? That's awesome. And then, um, <clears throat> and then they retired the category. Oh, that was so it. So he's they a- they had in 2007 they had best solo act, and then uh, 2008 they had best act of 2008, which went to Britney Spears, and best act ever, which went to Rick Astley. And then they retired the category until like 2017. So when he they, had nine years of just yeah domination. So he he they brought back at least best act of the year, uh-huh. but they but. They've never named another best act ever, so he will go down forever as the best act best ever. act ever so for good. MTV Europe. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. The uh, the other largest Rick Roll that I'm aware of was the uh, 2008 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Have yeah, you seen where, this? I, where he's there, yeah. he comes out. There. He he popped up and performed on the Cartoon Network float. Yeah. So they had a Cartoon Network float that was that had a you know is advertising a, a particular show. I can't even remember what it was. But then when they get when it hits showtime for the camera. 
they they turn on Never Gonna Give You Up, and Rick comes out and you know lip syncs along to it for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was was sort of the height of Rick Rolling. Two thousand eight was really you uh-huh. know the the year where everybody was just getting Rick Rolled all the time, and it was almost like, can we please quit with this? You That's know? so good. But now it's more. I love that it's now moved more into memes. You uh-huh. know, you see like the like pie chart of like things Rick Astley won't do, and it's like give you, give up, you up, let, let you, you down, down, all yeah. that stuff. You know what I mean? Um. The other thing I, I this is I think literally my my last note um, that he has a famously hard to reconcile voice right okay he, you just don't see that little kid singing with this rich baritone voice okay. you know what I mean that's good um, and uh, in fact one RCA executive just flat didn't believe it was him until <laughs> until Rick literally came in the room and sang and, it with- and sang for him yeah. So that that led me that that led me into thinking about just other people whose voice doesn't match their look. Uh-huh. Okay, so I've got a list of a few. I kind of sprung this on you, so I I don't know how many you I, have. I, but... I got two, uh, okay. three, uh, three. I could pull off. Okay, one I'm kind of proud of, so I guess I'll save it. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a list. Most of mine are musicians. I have okay. one that's not, but most of mine are musicians. Um, so I'll start with like actually Sam Smith is on my list. Okay, interestingly enough, because you don't necessarily expect his voice to come from. His face. Okay. Uh, I would Sia. Yeah, I, I think Sia. If you hear Chandelier, you're like, definitely what mm-hmm. from? Yeah, not not what I was picturing. I mistook Sia for Rihanna for a long time, Vo- voice wise, <laughs> vocally. Yeah, yeah vocally. I get that. But then, and no, then I went, but, oh, you're not Rihanna at all. At all. Yeah. Um, how about Tom Waits? Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you like you see that guy, and then he starts singing, and like, what well, are you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Ed Sheeran for me a little bit. Okay, I, I don't really. I don't know. I, yeah, it, his whole thing. When I look at him, I'm like, he really doesn't match his look at all. Doesn't match his vocal. Yeah. So that one. Um, um, how about Barry Gibb? Okay. Right? Bee Gees. Maybe just because I've seen him as that for so long, it's tough for me to shake. That. True, but you meet him at first, and he, you know, like, whatever. He looks like a Jesus, and like, he's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's I don't know. Nobody got. <laughs> Welcome back, yeah. Barry. Hey, Barry. Uh, man, did Barry Gibb ever do a duet with Aaron Neville? That's what I was thinking. Man, you're I want to hear that. Uh, similar breathing. Dang. <laughs> Aaron, Love thank it. you for coming back thank in. You. So right. good. So good. Um, I can give you my last one. Okay. Mark Broussard. Um, oh, okay. So those of y'all that I want to hear a little of Mark Broussard just so that you can see yeah. what I'm talking about. Name your track. Play Home. Home's probably his most popular one. Um, and I totally missed, um, I'll just be as blunt as I missed color of human on this one. Mm, yeah. Like that happens I, a lot on this list. Sure. I didn't picture him to be an over, a white dude. Oh, overweight white gentleman. So <clears throat> yeah. forgive me on that. Jumped like to the end, I guess, or where like there's Let's mega see. vocal parts. Yeah. That's a good place to put. Let's get to the core. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot. There are several names uh, that people people go. Oh, I didn't know he was white. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, It usually only happens that way too. It usually Mm -hmm. doesn't go. Oh, I didn't know he was black. Yeah. Right. Unless I'm missing some people. But like I I think think about him. I think of um, Bobby Caldwell. Um, what you won't do for love. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Some people go around the world for Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, everybody thinks he's black. Yeah. He's not. He's just a weird <laughs> white dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, some more people on that list. Uh, well, okay, I don't know. Tazon Day, the guy that does Chocolate Rain, uh-huh. they might not necessarily <laughs> think he was black based on his voice. Chocolate Rain. <laughs> that guy. Uh, Ronnie James Dio. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Ride that tiger, man. Yes, play, play, Holy Diver. Any chance we get? Any chance we get? Holy Diver. Okay. You've been down too long in the midnight sea. Oh, what's becoming of me? Yeah, he's just like a little package of dynamite, right? Isn't he? He's like super short. Um, and then uh, my last one is not is not a musician, but I think it may be the ultimate example of of a hard to reconcile voice. Mike Tyson. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, Mike Tyson. Oh, man, that's perfect. D- does not look like oh, his. Oh man, yeah, his, that is perfect. His face, his body, his reputation. Absolutely. Like, if, oh yeah, that you can't beat that. If that's you watched good. Mike Tyson on mute for for you know a match or just watch uh-huh. him box i mean obviously he's not he's not talking during his matches yeah. as you can hear and then you watch his post match interview where he's oh, like that's great my back is broken yeah <laughs> you know i mean like you're what now my bu- back spinal just bust a bust a face my spine is broken that's so good man that's pretty um, good mike tyson impression uh, I, I was good I mean, I, everybody's got a mike tyson in them yeah that's you know pretty know. good it's not far away from uh, Sylvester the Cat. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. far from Thuffer and Fuckatash. Yeah. You know? um, man, I think that's all I've got, except to say that I think my favorite line in the song is in the first verse when he says, you wouldn't get this from any other guy. It kind of makes him feel like... I, I read one description of it as like, uh, it makes him kind of feel like a used car salesman. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like He's saying a full... Uh, it's preceded by... A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. Uh-huh. He's like, just let me be your man forever. Nobody else is going to offer you this. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the once in a lifetime deal. Yeah, this is the once in a lifetime deal. Walk away today, and we're done here. Uh, but you're uh, not going to get that much for your trade tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Come, come in today. Yeah. Good. I did think it was funny that in the video, the video they did in like half a day or something like that, um, and it's you know sort of a typical <laughs> first video. It's him dancing awkwardly. I can't I can't quite do the dance, but you can if you play Fortnite, you can now get it on Fortnite. Um, but you can watch it. He's just sort of like moving his arms on a on a on a singular plane it's like it's like if each arm was a string and he had it like extended out in front of him and somebody was just pulling one so that it made one longer and one shorter it's the kevin McAllister doing the uncle frank balloon thing exactly. in home alone exactly. in the shower thank That's you it. that is it it's that yeah back it's almost you know, the, i'm the king of the cool it's it's yeah. almost the twist it's almost yeah. the twist by chubby checker right it's, and then he just claps occasionally uh-huh. and <laughs> it, like, it, I don't know. It's just awkward. But like, uh, so he's doing that in like like in front of a brick wall. Yeah, the clapping in, is really that's that's good. Cla- I'm glad you pointed that out. That's yeah, so funny. <laughs> it's like he's doing that in front of a wall. He's doing that in front of a fence. He's doing it on a stage. Uh-huh. You know, it's that kind of video. And then there's this there's like he's when he's on a stage, he's inside, and there's like a black dude at the at the bar who's like cleaning the. He's like mm-hmm. a bartender, you know. He's cleaning dishes and stuff and he and he's like starts to watch him and this guy just starts to feel it hard uh-huh. and he starts doing flips yeah 
and like going crazy, you know. And Ashley's over there just doing his, just doing his thing, doing his Kevin McAllister comfort zone. And this dude's literally like flipping up in the air. He injured himself on set, like oh really? The, yeah, like he, you know, he took a bad fall and they, you know, whatever. And he's just going nuts. He's like, man, I am feeling this white kid. You know what I mean? That's right. That's like, really, awesome. really, really digging it. He went. He he bought all in immediately on Rick Ashley. So it was great. Um, you got anything else? No, I'm okay. good, man. All right. Guys, this is so fun. I, I Get out I, of here, you nosy little pervert, and I'm going to slap you silly. <laughs> I genuinely hope in my heart that we fooled some of you guys. Yeah. I hope that that a few of you tuned in to figure out why the frick we were about to do a Nickelback <laughs> song um, and, and hope that we pleasantly surprised you with some Rick Astley today. And for those of y'all that put on your Chad Kroger shirts today just yes. to celebrate with us, That's sorry right. about that, but not really. Yeah, so. not really at all. Not really. Um, it's a lot of fun today. Happy April Fool's. Get somebody yeah. good today, but get somebody good in good fashion. Like, That's don't right. go overboard. Yeah, don't, 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 don't be, be that, that guy. that guy that goes way overboard. No, no death jokes. Yeah. No, no, there's certain no things, pregnancy jokes. Yeah, certain things cross the line. Yeah. Stay in your zone. You know, Rick roll somebody right. today. Don't, go Rick roll somebody today. Yes, that's it. That's it. Do it for Rick today. It's today's official Rick Roll Day. Let's just let's just make it happen all over the world. Uh, send somebody a link to this episode, right? And be <laughs> like, dude, like you're not gonna you're not gonna understand. You know what I mean? What like I I never understood how good Nickelback how great is Nickelback was until I heard these guys, guys break it dissected down. Dissected the mad the magic of photographs. Yeah, absolutely. Look here, t- look at this podcast of photographs That's right. you know look at this graph <laughs> all right let's go watch some memes uh you guys will be back again next week with another fantastic song until then i'm rob i'm jp go listen to some music